Oh, I think you did it. Hi listeners, Jasmine here with a few notes at the top of the episode. First of all, we're going to be doing something a little different this week where we'll be releasing this episode in two parts. Recently, we sat down with Rebel and Shove, also known as Shovel, and as you might know, they are well-versed in public speaking and being online. So the interview was just really solid throughout. So we wanted to release all of it. And we really hope you enjoy this chat as much as we did. Yes. So the first part of this episode is going to come out on Thursday, February 23rd. And part two will come out on Friday, February 24th. In this conversation, we get really personal with them. We talk about their journey together as a couple, as they are very, very different people with very different personalities. And the way that they complement each other is so beautiful. And that's kind of the prevailing theme throughout the interview. How they met while skating is something we'll be chatting about and their upcoming wedding, as well as struggles that they've been through together, such as injury and dealing with online harassment and other difficulties they've faced together as a queer couple and also as people in fat bodies. We cover quite a bit and they were really open and really sweet with us. And I want to add to this that I recently got to skate with Rebel here in New York City. She was visiting as part of a brand trip with Arizona Ice Tea. Who knew? <laughs> and yes, so we got to skate together and I knew that she was going to be coming to Roller Wave and I got there kind of early because I'm an early bird. <laughs> and later on, I saw her enter the rink but I didn't realize she had seen me and out of nowhere I just felt this big slam of a hug slam into me and then she spun me around and we just had so much fun and she was just such an infectious spirit of fun at the rink that night and really made so many people's day and just had this amazing energy and I just can't think of someone more deserving of her success as a recently turned professional skater. So yeah, we get into that in this chat as well. So yes, we're going to be covering a lot of ground with them. So with that in mind, I do also want to mention a content warning at the top of the episode. This episode will make mention of self-harm as well as eating disorder. So please proceed accordingly and take care. And yes, we're in for a two-part fun episode. This is our first interview with more than one person. So we think it makes a lot of sense that it would run a little bit longer and just be overall just full of gems. So yeah, here we go. Welcome to the Skaterade podcast. I'm Jasmine. I'm Mac. And today we are here with perhaps the most prolific roller skating couple on the internet. Rebel and Shove, also known as Shovel. <laughs> hey, it's us. We're Shovel. Can you dig it? <laughs> yes, I can. Can you dig it? 
We hope you can. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So typically, <laughs> typically we'll ask people to share their roller skating journey, but since you both have your own individual journeys, maybe instead, because this is our first episode with more than one guest. True. <laughs> um, maybe hey, party. <laughs> maybe you guys can talk about how you met and kind of tie roller skating into that. Oh, that's that, easy. That won't be hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to start? No, you can start. Okay. Once upon a time, the year was 2017. No. Yes. The year was 2017. The year was 2017 and we were all young and <laughs> dumb and uh, didn't know what a pandemic was. And then we were like, I don't know, like I personally was like, I should just join roller derby. And I know that you were, you had the whole other journey going on. So I showed up and I had found out about Beach Cities Roller Derby, which is a roller derby league that serves the beach cities, right? So Long Beach, Wilmington, all the places. And so I showed up to a orientation one night and I had showed up because my friend had said, hey, I think you should join roller derby. And I was like, roller derby? What's that? What's a roller skate? Okay. Um, <laughs> you would join something without knowing. Yeah, I had literally <laughs> no idea what I was joining. And I was like, I'm bored. Okay, I'm going to join. Um, so I showed up at orientation. And then at that same orientation, I uh, was there. a Miss Courtney Shove was also there <laughs> joining roller derby. For other reasons. Yeah, my friend was the same way. Uh, she was like, I went to a roller derby orientation. I think you should join too because I won't do I won't show up without a friend. And I was like, man, I've always wanted to, but I never had the health insurance, the money, or mm-hmm. the time, which as in derby, you know, it takes necessary. all three of those are yeah. really necessary. I didn't know any of those things. So while I also didn't have the money, health insurance, or the time, I was just down for an exciting. You it for the biscuit. Yeah, I was just um, there. I, and then like my friend was like, let's join. And I was like. Um, I really want to, but I don't think my boyfriend will let me. And she was like, what do you mean he won't let you? I'm like, uh, you just, I'm not allowed to do certain things, uh, which wow. red flag. Um, yeah, <laughs> so where are the red flags? I'm going to start throwing them. Yeah. So it was the first, first time I basically told uh, my partner no and did something for myself in like a couple years. Oh yeah. So I went ahead and just joined roller derby and she was the really loud, obnoxious um, person in the whole orientation that I was like, this person's so annoying. Can they shut up the and I was like, that girl's hot. That's all I was thinking. And of course I was obnoxious. I am literally obnoxious. That is part of my personality. I'm annoying. I'm loud. I don't stop talking. And I have lots of questions, especially considering I had no idea what roller derby was. So of course I had questions. But what did Versus I me with anxiety. Year? I was all like researching every aspect of roller derby before I showed up to I had watched Whip It a couple years before and thought that was really cool. <laughs> I I could be Smashley Simpson. Yeah, yeah so that's how we met. That's how we met. Um, and, and we just became friends. And we yeah, we skated together for a year and we're friends at practice. She offered to plan my wedding. I did because <laughs> I would thought I was trying to figure out what was going on with her. And then she was like, I'm engaged. And I was like, I plan wedding. <laughs> like panic, right? So, um, yeah, I was like, I'll plan your wedding. And then, yeah. And then a couple months later, I wait, was, did you? 
no, then I became single and then I was single for not that long. But then I was like, wait, I want chick, I want hot chick that I'm friends with. Like, and we have kind of been flirting. (laughs) Um, like, wait, did you ask me to be your Valentine? Or did I ask you? You asked me to be your Valentine. And then I showed up to derby practice wearing a shirt that said Rebel on it. I did not get (gasps) that. I did not see that. I did not catch it because I am oblivious. (laughs) So oblivious. (laughs) So oblivious. So oblivious. And, um, yeah, and then the next week, no, that's a lie. The next no. month, next month, then a month later. Well, okay, I swept her off her feet, and then we started dating. Yeah, and you know, it was like the whole she moved me in without me realizing it. Yeah, and Good now times. we're engaged. <laughs> wow, you just fast forwarded through five years of relationship. That is amazing. Yeah, so then last year she proposed, and then I proposed back, and now we're here, and we skate together. And then Jasmine came to our house amidst it all I do. yeah like randomly like at, i don't know maybe year two or three i don't even know when at some point jasmine came over bowie says hi, hi yeah bowie. and bowie exists oh my god i love that so much that was the one two skip a few 99 100 version of how we met in roller skating oh man so what's it like be a roller skating couple in in the more private day-to-day sense versus the kind of public figure sense of being a roller skating couple I love that question (laughs) for me I feel like just the regular stuff like we're setting up our skates we're what are we working on we're trying to come up with different ideas I'll tell her my list of things I'm trying to work on and for tips and tricks and for rebel I think there's the same but I've always been one of those people that I can't do a lot of things in skating but I can teach it which is really weird I'm one of those people because I observe and see what people are doing that are mastering the trick and see what people are doing that can't land the trick and then coach them through it so I know I've helped rebel unlock a lot of tricks that way so like we'll go on the ramp and I'll be like oh no 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 you're left foot's just a little off or a little so we spent a lot of time like that where it's like really helping each other out she was trying to teach me how to stall for the longest time until something unlocked and I feel like a lot of that is very public too no but I mean like oh I feel like a lot of those it's just when it's just the two of us because when we're at the skate park or out and about I feel like we're more social or we're doing things we're still encouraging each other but I feel like it's not the hyper focus of just like the two of us more intimately Mm. yeah That's true. I think it's really interesting because I think that a lot of those moments are still displayed on social media to some extent. And the way that we are when we're in person and out in the world versus on social media together, I think are two different aspects of roller skating in us. I definitely feel like we're exactly the same online (laughs) uh, as we are privately. We don't really have any like there's no reason I think that's why we're able to just like be us yeah and then privately it's just more I feel like things that aren't skate related because I Mm -hmm. think that's something that I know I've struggled with recently or the last six months it's really um enjoying the fact that I am more than just a skater and not like pigeonholing that like I'm Courtney Shove, a roller skater yeah and that's it and like wrapping it and tying it with a pretty little bow um so like we both like doing arts and crafts so we do things like that and Mm -hmm. like going to the movies and shopaholics as you can probably witness like all these fun things that we do and talk to our dog like he's a human so I feel like when it comes to skating it's usually 
you what you see is what you get and that's what's happening when we're alone too or whether it's in the public eye or just out skating with friends um but i feel like most of our time because roller skating is such a huge aspect that in the privacy what you don't see is going to be things that just aren't even related to skating yeah i really enjoy yeah me too i love that too and i think that that's what that's why we made our podcast is because we felt like people were only starting to see us for just being roller skaters and Mm -hmm. we wanted to display other aspects of who we are and like let that show because we felt like that wasn't really you know showing yeah yeah I agree that your podcast was super illuminating and it really revealed other layers of your your relationship and how you interact in the world. And just to walk it back a little bit, Shove, you were talking a bit about the statement that you made at the beginning of the year of I'm more than just fat, I'm more than just a skater. That video when you talked about your strength training, that was incredibly touching. When I saw it for the first time, I totally teared up. I was sitting at a coffee shop and I'm like, shove, you did this to me. (laughs) Yeah, I just thought that that was really cool. And I'd love to talk a bit more about how you've begun to maybe liberate yourself, if that's the right word, from these constraints that having a personal brand can bring. Yeah, definitely. I've been kind of like phasing, not only say phasing myself out, but like not caring as much about posting and like making content, um, skating for content, all those things in the last year, maybe a little over mm-hmm. a year. It's just like slowed down majorly. One, because as the well, the world started opening again, I wanted to just enjoy real life in real time. Yeah, so <laughs> we don't really have enough and, time to do content all the yeah, time. Yeah, and, and so it was just like, okay, now I'm back in the flow. Like I'm going to the office 40 hours a week. I'm back in school, all those things. Um, also, let's not forget I am mentally ill. So dealing with those things as well. And then just realizing like, wait, like, who cares? Like, don't be stressed out that I haven't posted in two weeks. Like, whatever, I'll just throw something out there when I want to, because I genuinely, this is something that brought me joy that I want to share with the world. And then it also felt weird to post something that didn't have to do anything with roller skating. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, why did I put myself in this box? Like, oh, it's not about skating. Don't talk about it because people won't like it, which is true. The followers will drop. The engagement will drop if it's not about roller skating because that's what people want to see me do. Um, But I don't care anymore. (laughs) I think it's allowed to be selfish. And that's why I keep saying, like, it's 2020 me. Like, do you? Like, be selfish. Do what you want to do. Don't appease the other people. And I know that creating a brand and being an influencer you have to keep those things up to get the jobs and get the brands to come to you because they want to see that you can create the content. Um, but I feel like even with that, like I've slowed down and I have had opportunities to do work on the side. Mm-hmm. So it's just like that was more proof of, hey, like I don't need to be in this rat race. And there's so many better things in life. And yes, I need the money, but also sanity and just feeling free is more important to me than money if I'm if like I'm pay- as long as I'm paying my bills so we can do it so definitely I've been going to the gym for like the last I just finished five weeks and I can feel myself getting stronger the so last wild that it's been yeah the last two times I went skating it felt like as soon as I laced up I was already warmed up like I felt stronger so I know I'm on the right path I'm training to skate the LA marathon which I haven't done in years oh. so I'm just doing all these things to like focus on me yeah that's awesome thank you yeah I feel like it can be like a lot of pressure to conform 
to that idea of the brand can just be so hard to break away from that sometimes, especially when you're trying to kind of make a living on that or like when it's such a big part of your income. Um, so like I'll say for me as someone who does sometimes struggle with that, I don't even have anywhere near as big of a, you know, platform or anything. Um, it's really nice to hear when people do talk about like what it means to just be on social media, like for yourself, you know, to be putting out content that matters to you that doesn't just adhere to like that mold. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice to hear that you've been able to kind of find ways to move away from that for yourself and are giving yourself more spaciousness around that. Um, and still able to kind of like move forward and like do the things that you want, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can be really toxic sometimes, you know, but like, you can quickly fall down that hole of getting wrapped into it. So I think it is really important to step back and really like see what's bringing you joy and what isn't and like reevaluate and come in with a new game plan. (laughs) And I feel like very um, privileged. Like I'm glad enough. I feel like that's one thing that I did get from therapy is like recognizing these things that are like unhealthy um, tendencies and traits. And like, so now I'm quicker to be like, wait, this is not good for me. (laughs) Like let's shift. Yeah. And what I realized when I started, like, because I was also going through this similar process of, oh, I have like lots going on and I don't really like it's all feeling very chaotic. I decided to separate out my personal stuff with a whole nother Instagram and a whole nother TikTok where I can just post whatever I want and like not worry at all about who's going to see it or whatever, because I just like creating for the sake of creating and I enjoy what I've created and putting things together and building up something. And so it was a cool decision for me to just be like, yeah, I can do get ready because I was doing these get ready with me. And then I was like, oh, no, I can't post another get ready with me. It's not a roller skate related thing. And then I was like, <laughs> trying to force roller skating into my get ready with me. And I was like, this is so stupid. <laughs> so then I just created a whole nother thing. It made me feel so much freedom around it because I was just like, yeah, I can just post whatever I want on that. And then I have my, you know, queer girl straight skate stuff that's all very roller skate adjacent. And so it just felt To me, that was like my version for like having that freedom. Yeah, but you create content like she creates so much content that I don't understand all the energy. And I'm just like, how are you able to do it? I don't know. She like like knocked out a TikTok right before coming, like setting up this up and like Oh yeah. I'm just but she finds joy in that. And I think I used to be like, Oh well, she can do it. I should be on the same grind and then realizing, wait, we're two separate people with two different mental capacities, so it's okay. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, y'all are definitely prolific. I'm always amazed at the amount of stuff that you put out, but also the number of jobs you have. How many jobs do y'all have between you? (laughs) Um, I have significantly less now. In the last year, I've quitted. I've quitted. (laughs) I've quit four um, because I realized that, well, we made this video that is a same interview, different year. We do the same thing every year. We copied Billie Eilish and Vogue. It's fine. But I was editing the one and I realized that every single year I'm like, I'm a workaholic. I need to stop. I have too many jobs. Like take time and like don't stress out so much about money and worry more about yourself and what you want. And so I just quit another one of my jobs recently because it was toxic. Um, I guess the answer to that question, I currently have – two real jobs two real jobs and then i have my shop and then i have queer girl straight skates and then i do random Those are still jobs. yeah they totally are jobs <laughs> but i have two like two jobs for other people oh and of this as of like what 
the other day she's officially a what? Oh my god, I'm officially an LA roller girl. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it just feels like a club. I don't even care. (laughs) I know that they're gonna pay me and that's what I want, but like I also am fine. You know what I mean? But still something to be proud of, and it is kind of a job. Yeah. Yeah, so I am, like, super excited about that. So I guess – I don't even know. You can't really track the number of jobs that I have. But Shav <laughs> has one. Yeah, I just have one full-time job, and then I'm still in school, which is at Moxie, and then part-time at school Monday through Thursday. I finally graduate this March. Can't come soon enough. Nice. Um, and then that's it. Uh, next month I am opening up skate lessons again. I set up my Calendly and everything oh, yeah. that, and I'm ready to start doing skate lessons as well. I Just teach skate lessons Bring too. more uh, more money in, and then whenever if someone needs their hair done, I'll go ahead and take care of that for some money. <laughs> yeah. Well, so basically I just do as many things as I can to make money and then shove is consistent. I love it. <laughs> Speaking of jobs and gigs, <laughs> recently y'all performed on the AMAs with Pink. How'd that come about? So cool. The LA Roller Girls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I had already done a couple of things with the LA Roller Girls. Um, I had been recommended. So I had gone to an LA Roller Girl workshop when I first started skating, like literally in 2017. And I remember being like, oh my God, I want to be one of them. <laughs> like all the way back then. <laughs> and then this past year, um, someone recommended me and they called me and asked me to audition basically for a video for the Can't Cancel Pride event that Lizzo was having roller skaters behind her. So I did that with them and it was amazing. And so I ended up being like an LA roller girl friend basically. So I, you know, went and I performed with them on a gig basis. And then I cried because she was in the same room as Lizzo before me. (gasps) Yeah. I was so jealous. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. And then, but I didn't get to talk to Lizzo. So I couldn't be like, my fiance is super awesome and you should meet her. Because I totally would have taken my five words and used that. Um, and then I did like a couple other things with them. And then they reached out to us about auditioning for the AMA thing. And we did. And then we got it. And it was so crazy. It was I a still lot. can't believe that that was a thing that we did this year. When like, I it's tell wild. you that that performance was days like full work day like eight hour multiple full eight skates, hour work days eight hours yeah. straight back to back days like rehearsing, just rehearsing changing choreography and, yeah just doing it, was, it again doing it again changing the choreography doing it again like over and over and over again it's the hardest thing i've ever done physically i in my life. love like, it I, I cried at the end of she the first did not, rehearsal. She does not like that kind of work, and I love that <laughs> kind of work. If I could do this every day, I'd be so stoked. Because I am not a – I do not dance skate at all. Like, I don't like dance moves. I don't like choreography. I like to just dance to music and vibe out. I can't retain the information of, like, memorizing moves. So it was, like, really hard for me, like, mentally and emotionally. Because yeah. finally, when I would get it, they would change it. Yeah. So I felt like, oh, like <laughs> – and imposter syndrome was so strong, so it was so hard. And when it finally was like happened, and I didn't make any mistakes, it was just like a blink of the eye. It was like I remember skating on stage and seeing Machine Machine Gun Kelly's weird outfit, <laughs> and then that's all I remember. And then all of a sudden, it was done. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it went by really fast. It was a lot, a lot of prep for so fast of a performance. Yeah. And it was so wild to see ourselves on TV. My best friend was crying, like sent me a video and she was like crying watching the TV. Then I cried. (laughs) Yeah, but it was so fun. There were so many dynamic layers of that performance too, because there was sort of that whole skit on the street and then there was the choreography and they had a ramp on stage. That was just, it was really cool. (laughs) Originally, we had a kiss. We were like, yeah, we had out, a close kiss. up. Yeah, that was supposed to be in the pre-shoot. But yeah, then it got they ran out of time. There was a lot of little like yeah. focuses on characters in the pre-shoot that was, of course, filmed in two different days. Um, but like we, there was basically they were like make out, make out, make out, and we then had they to would make do out so many outs. times on the side of, and the they way. had to touch up our makeup, and then be like make out. Again. It was great. It was a party. <laughs> and then so we were hoping it was gonna make it in, and we we're like, oh man, it would have been the best gay moment. I know. We're like, someone give us that footage, please. <laughs> yeah, y'all definitely need that footage for real. And <laughs> <laughs> you like put it above, like at our wedding. Mm, so cute. Oh. So, Rebel, previous to you being cast at Disc Oasis, you predominantly taught street skating and park skating. Did you ever think that you would become a rhythm skater slash jam skater? No, never. No, I had no idea that that was going to be a thing ever. Uh, I was a dancer growing up, though. Um, I did ballet and lots of other types of dance when I was in college, when I was just like doing whatever, because I didn't know what I actually wanted to do in college. I was a dance major for a little bit. (laughs) Um, Like if you scope back on my life, it totally tracks that I would become a dance skater. And actually, I think that there was like, it was very much so a journey that needed to land me in dance skating because I was struggling to feel like I had a place, even though I know that's ridiculous and doesn't make sense from an outsider's perspective. But in my heart, I felt like I didn't have my spot. Like I didn't have my type of skating that I felt like this is it. Like this is the type of skating that would best define me or that I would default to. Um, I just kind of loved roller skating in general, which is totally fine. But when I got asked those questions, like, what kind of skating do you like? I'd be like, I don't know, like anything, you know, whatever. Um, But yeah, I think definitely going to Disco Oasis and getting that job totally changed my life, totally changed my roller skate path, totally changed so many things. And I fully cried when they ended it. Like straight up, like I was being broken up with. Because it ended early. They ended early and I was devastated. I was for months. I was like, just, I just want to go back to Disco Oasis. Like I just love Disco Oasis so (laughs) much. And it felt to me like a true home away from home. And it bonded me with people that I don't feel like I would have bonded with previous to. And yeah, I'm just so grateful for the Disco Oasis experience. Even though they fully took me on being like, we want diversity of like skate style. But then they definitely just wanted I know. dance jam skaters. I was going to be hired as well. And then they were like, don't worry, it's not all dance. And I was like, I don't dance. Yeah, I was she- like, they just want like, they, I was like, I'm a derby skater and a park skater. Like, That's great. Come on over. I'm so glad that I told them no, because I would have quit on the second night. Because it was the it was first day. Nights, yeah, it was six nights a week. It was seven hours. <laughs> No, that's a lie. It was six hours-ish, sometimes more than that. And 
the first day we went and it was like a literal choreography rehearsal. And I was like, I showed up and I was like, oh, Shub would have hated this. Like, I'm so <laughs> glad she did not show up because she would have been so mad. <laughs> but I loved it. I was like, choreography? I know choreography. I can do choreography, even though I had never done choreography in skates before. I was like, I can do this. And then I did. I'm with Shub on that one. I'm not a choreo person so much. I actually just had a backup dance gig. And um, we changed the choreo like the day before the show. And I was like, I was having such a bad, bad, bad time. Yeah, it's like, I'm already trying not to be anxious about this. But yeah. now I'm also trying to memorize dance moves. And like, there's just so much going on. Yeah. It's a lot. It really <laughs> is a lot, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like Rebel's uh, skating skills, like, leveled up significantly in such like a short amount of time just like it was just proof of like if you skate every day like for that many hours a day yeah 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 Yeah, it was wild and i was (laughs) surrounded by so many like excellent high tier skaters yeah when you're doing it that much that level of discipline and engagement and immersion i would have to imagine that it would really change you know your level of skill and comfortability and stuff yeah and i think proximity to talent also like just watching people skate and I'm very good at picking things up low key. I was such a stalker at the rink. Okay. I would skate around the rink. Right. And I would follow people that I knew were good skaters and I would just copy what they did for hours. Cause what else am I going to do? I'm just supposed to skate around and like smile. So I did, but I also was copying people and it caused me to learn so many things. And it caused me to learn like, like my style is such a weird, like combination of a bunch of different, types of skating you know like I have some like like JB stuff in because I was always following Byron and like copying him I don't know there's like people that I would copy to learn how to do certain moves that I didn't even realize were like from certain areas or from different styles of skating and as I got more into it I learned and took in that like cultural knowledge and all of those histories as well and that was so cool even to yeah. learn after Disco Oasis was over I started going to the rink and learning those yeah, things because they too. had like artistic skaters yeah they had literally well. it was like artistic skaters rink skaters jam skaters people who just like skated outdoors and then there was me who I was like I have derby experience <laughs> I can like really rip up a ramp <laughs> and they were like I don't know what you're gonna do here but you seem like you have a lot of energy so I guess we'll keep you <laughs> So y'all share so much of yourself and I saw your platforms really grow over the course of quarantine and into the latter stages of the pandemic. And a lot of people, you know, weren't skating together during that time. And y'all definitely became a lot of people's sort of parasocial skate friends. What does that feel like to have people feel like they know you and you might not know them at all or you might only know them from the comment section or whatever the case may be definitely um I feel like what's interesting is I feel like the few people that I know like I also that parasocial relationship actually formed into real relationships yeah real relationships two of them which were like flew from one flew from Chicago and one from Phoenix for my birthday yeah literally two of them are my very Um, best friends in the whole world and they started people that just followed us on the internet and like one of them um, slid into my email (laughs) one of them slid into my dm and then two went to Bali with us yeah uh, last year one of them I'm skate married to now yeah so it's just like 
I mean, like, obviously, I don't want to give people hope that, like, have parasocial relationships that, like, one day it will come true. Like, in my head, I think, oh, I lied. I told you I didn't have a parasocial relationship. In my head, Lizzo is my best friend. So I do. <laughs> I'm too yeah. involved with Lizzo. That's the one parasocial You are very, you are a little too but involved. I know it. That's okay. Whatever. It's fine. But um, I feel like it would. I don't know, like something about bringing joy to others brings me joy. And I know it was great talking to people and having that online interaction, um, whether it was going live on YouTube with having a freaking two hour tea party where we just (laughs) answered questions or um, constantly on my phone on Instagram, just like answering everybody's skate questions because everyone got new skates and trying to share my information with people. I know how hard it can be and seeing people struggle. And like, if I have the knowledge, I want to share it to help um, people be the best version of themselves as well. Like, here's what I know and take what you want from it. Um, and I felt like I did. There's people I've been talking to on the internet for like three years now because of that. And some of I met and some I haven't, but I hope I do one day. And I wish if anything that I had the ability to like be 10 other and 10 other bodies and like reply to everyone's messages. I know that sucks that I can't reply to everyone, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I parasocial relationships I know can be unhealthy, but really helpful as well. And I think that there's like, I don't know, like I've, I feel like my whole platform is like fully, I am here to be your skate friend. Like that's literally my platform. My platform is I'm here to teach you some stuff and like be your skate friend. And like you might be in a place where you don't know anyone else who skates or you don't have the bandwidth to like reach out and join your local skate crew. And I want to be there for those people. And that's the community aspect. And that's why I think that the community videos on Queer Girl Straight Skates are so important because I want people to be able to experience the roller skate community online if they don't have access to the roller skate community wherever they're at. Or even if they do have access to it and they're just like, maybe they're injured. They like don't have the ability to go out and experience it firsthand. And yeah, I think, I think when I think of parasocial relationships, I think that they're great. Like, I know that some are unhealthy and we've experienced our handful of unhealthy parasocial relationships, but I think that there's so much support that can be found in them. Yeah. I was like, when you said that, I was like, oh no, I just thought about this. I just remembered. (laughs) We have had unhealthy parasocial (laughs) relationships before. Yeah, we've had a couple. I'm sorry to hear you had some not fun ones, but I'm glad that it's been mostly a positive experience. And I'd imagine that it must have been really cool to host the rollouts that y'all have hosted and and have that manifest in real life in person. What was that like having all of those people show up to skate with you in Long Beach? So wild. Yeah. That um, was so wild. I thought that that 2021 was going to be like as big as it could get. And I was like, well, that makes sense. Like we got the okay to come out of the, like, we're like Long Beach was like, okay, everyone can meetups can happen again. Concerts back on everything. And I was like, all right, the rollout's happening. And I thought that that was like huge. I was like, wow, I think like almost a thousand skaters showed up. Like that is what (laughs) like I don't even know and then last year when I was like oh at least a thousand people showed up no it was Um, more like it was more like 1500 (laughs) uh it was I feel like I was just in shock because no matter what even if I'm like whether I'm hosting a rollout or like just participating in one I always end up in the front of the pack because I just like something about when I'm like 
half skating or street skating. I'm always just like, I like to go fast. I don't like to linger in the back. But that time I was just like, there is a whole city of people behind me. And then it was just like a point where like there were so many people that I was just like in the middle and it was a thing of its own. It was just like a movement at that point. And I was like, this is amazing. Like I didn't even have to go all the way to the lighthouse, which is where we usually finish. I stopped at like a staircase. This is like the halfway point and just watched people. I had a megaphone and I was cheering people on because people were jumping stairs for the first time. And like it turned in like all the park skaters started street skating. Yeah, it was so crazy. There was like dance circles were happening at the top of the lighthouse. Like Mm -hmm. it was like such a good meshing of like so many different types of skaters um, people on bicycles, <laughs> bladers, skateboards, like everything. Every all wheel, wheels. every type um, of skating. Little kids to grandmas, like people with strollers. Like yeah. it was so wild. And then it was so weird because it like it almost felt like something so much bigger than you mm-hmm. or you know. Yeah, my anything. job is just to be like, here's the time, here's the place, <laughs> here's the route show up and then like I just I want it to be a way to kick off the summer every year um I'm starting to get a little worried because seeing like how big it's getting some people like Michelle uh Esho is like I don't know you might need to get the city involved but then it's just like <laughs> I'm so like anti-establishment that I'm just like I like just having the opportunity to just like you know punk rock like everyone meet up and let's just do it like fuck the (laughs) fuck the system like we don't we don't need police patrolling streets and everything yeah we definitely don't don't want that yeah and luckily my skate wife is um a nurse so when things happen she's usually the one that like stops someone (laughs) yeah Yeah, and speaking to the fact that you know it's something bigger than y'all is people i think are really responding to the themes and the concepts behind your rollouts too, the inclusivity and you having those conversations, open conversations about body image and your own personal struggles. When you were there, did people speak to you about how empowered they felt skating with their buns out? Yeah, it's usually like I need to like take a day where I don't talk to anyone afterwards yeah, because it's a lot I soak in so much stuff and I listen to every word and I take mm-hmm. in everyone's feelings I cry with people I hug everyone I possibly can <laughs> um take so many pictures with them and I try to listen to their whole story because they can be so empowering um a lot of people that'll say like I have never worn even shorts before and I'm out here in a bathing suit or and you don't even have to wear a bathing suit like some it can be just simple like oh I am afraid of my legs and I'm not wearing pants today and or if you're not at that point in your journey and you just need to show up fully clothed that's accepted as well um I feel like I've had a lot of conversations with trans people that will ask me if I know of any other like trans inclusionary or all trans skate groups um so I love that it gets a large part of the queer community out as well uh one time there was a lady in a wheelchair that came at the beginning and she was like can't go with you but I just wanted to come to witness this and she was super dressed up as well and I think like that's the true meaning of it it's just giving someone a safe space and permission because I feel like we're not given permission to be our true selves because we're going to be judged. So we're, and even if we, we won't be judged, we're told that we're going to be judged. We're led to believe that you can't do A, B, and C, even though no one's ever really said it, just the world we grew up in kind of 
showers you in those that mindset uh, that you have to be cookie cutter like everyone else. And I know the first time we had a rollout, like someone did yell out, like, put on clothes. And it was like, we're literally at the beach in bathing suits. Like, you can't even exist where you're supposed to be because you're in a large body mm-hmm. uh, wearing the appropriate attire. So at that point, you just got to say, like, fuck it and do whatever the hell you want. And I think, like, the when you see other people doing it, you're like, wait, why do I care? Look at all these people living their best lives. Like, if they can be happy, I can be happy. And that's what the the true meaning of it, like, that's why it exists. And that's why we try to make sure we, like, record as much of it and, like, put it out there so that other people can see it. Um, until, like, the day where I do figure out, like, how to not be, like, imposter syndrome and freak out and, like, go ahead and start a GoFundMe and try to get out to other cities. Because I do still want to do that. But whenever I think of, like, look at prices of plane tickets and all that, where I think people don't want us to go out there. So like, they don't really care. And then like, people will say like, no, you should do one out here. But then I don't know, I always get like really nervous. And I'm just like, what if it's a failure? Or like, what if it's pointless? <laughs> like, <laughs> It's not going to be pointless, no matter what, like, even if one person shows up, I feel like that makes yeah, it worth it, you know, that's true. But I just like, want to get out to people like as someone that did have so many and still do every once in a while because body dysmorphia never goes away fully um I just feel like the more I can help people I help myself doing it so I just want to keep doing it yeah and how about for yourselves how has roller skating changed your relationships with your own bodies oh my gosh that's such a that's definitely that I've Uh, I like, I don't think in my whole life have I ever had a positive relationship with my body until I started roller skating. I have always struggled with body dysmorphia and I have, you know, had the eating disorder thing on and off for years and years and years and years and years. Like as long as I can remember for me, when I started skating, it was the first time that I felt like I was actually happy with how my body was capable of doing something. I was proud of what my body could do as opposed to always judging my body for what it looked like. Um, It was the first time that I ever saw it as functional and as something that could help me and could help me achieve goals and could be my partner. Like my body is my like brain's partner, I guess, (laughs) Um, in like, finding joy and movement. And I've always been that person that like literally hates working out and like hates exercise. And like, I literally cannot, like, I just do not like it. Like shoves going to the gym and every once in a while I go with her and I'm like, this is so fun. Um, And then I go home and go to a twerk class and I'm like, this is fun. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, like it totally changed the way I view my body. Just a hundred percent. I used to be very, very judgmental on myself. And yeah, I'm still judgmental on myself, but so much less to like 1% of what I used to be. And that's because I learned that my body was capable of doing some really cool shit. I'm like really capable as a person. And I never felt that way before roller skating. Yeah, I felt like for me, um, hmm. I learned, I don't think I ever realized how strong I was until skating. It wasn't until derby, like realizing even in the very beginning that like I used to joke. Dude, she's strong as hell. (laughs) I used to like boast that I was a brick house. (laughs) When I tell you that I would be, so I'm a jammer and she's a blocker. And when I would be like, 
coming up to her, I see she was in the lineup. I'm like, God damn it. She's like, hey, I'm a what? And I'm like, a brick. Yeah, like they used to pull people from higher rankings to like try to knock me over, like off the track. They would have me put like one skate right against the track and I'd get low and like brace and they would like keep bringing like higher level players to try to knock me over. And I would just take it and then just absorb their piece. And I was like, wow, I can't believe like I do have strength. And like just the power of legit getting hurt and falling and getting back up and like wanting to quit because I was in like so much physical pain because I went from someone that was not doing any sports, going out drinking a lot, not having a healthy yeah, lifestyle at all. Not doing anything to sporty like, or athletic. Now let's go to derby practice three times a week and run all these drills and all this stuff. And I was like, holy crap, everything things on my body that I didn't even know like could hurt. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I was going to practice Same. with like freaking uh what is it icy hot patches underneath my like knee pads and, and that was like a badge back. of honor yeah like it was like hell yeah i have icy hot on yeah. me <laughs> oh my goodness. you don't <laughs> but like i was able to like push not i didn't quit i just kept going and i got strong even more strong and i think like that bled through the other aspects of so seeing that strength made me appreciate my body more just knowing that it was like instead of worrying just about like fat it was like no worry about strength like what can I do to be stronger so it definitely helped with that and so many mental things yeah so many mental things and like honestly like I joined I joined skating and I was always joined skating I joined roller (laughs) derby I started roller skating and I had always been the person who like looked in the mirror and just saw every imperfection and like looked for imperfections and I would just look at myself and be fucking disappointed and would cry or would just be like what a trash human in a non-joking way like in an actual like serious way and I went from that to then looking at my body looking for bruises to be proud of (laughs) <laughs> and like that is if that's not an indication of change like I don't know what is <laughs> like I I can't even tell you how different I am when it comes to the way I view my body yeah I still struggle everyone does mm-hmm. but it's just so different like putting a different lens on a camera definitely that's beautiful one of my favorite things about your podcast skate date is when y'all would be super candid about your upbringings and you would speak to major life milestones like coming out and difficult dynamics with your parents and in Shove's case losing a parent when you started your journey as content creators did you expect things to go that deep I figured it would I never thought about it because I didn't go into social media like with a goal of becoming like famous or neither anything. of us did yeah um, like definitely not have asked me like oh how do I do it like how do I become an influencer how do I gain followers and I just say like just be yourself like I guess if it's meant to happen it'll happen um especially me someone that is a more introverted it's easier for me to say how I'm feeling online than to probably like turn to rebel and say it right away because it feels like I'm just throwing it out in the void yeah. Um, instead of like feeling like, oh, there's gonna be instant judgment if I like I say it to someone that's right in front of me. Um, so for me, I think like I started a skate Instagram just because I was like, okay, everyone's gonna be like, why is she posting all this skate stuff? So I started a skate Instagram, and then Rebel was like, oh, I'll start one too. And I just was being myself, my authentic self, and I just posted whatever I wanted and mm-hmm. just kept doing that. And 
if it felt like something I wanted to say, whether it was a rant or how I was feeling for the day, uh, whether it was bad or good. I feel like a lot of times it was more bad than good, but it was just me being honest. So I, there was never a point of like questioning how deep it would go. Like I have talked about suicide attempts that I had um, to loss or like eating disorders, the whole shebang, because I am an open book. I'll blame my trauma for that. <laughs> but there's pretty much everything that I don't know, like, I just feel like no matter what, I should just say it because I think it is important that there's not just like everything wrapped up in a pretty sparkly container that you see online because that's not real life and that's going to do so much damage for people because you are going to compare yourself no matter how strong you are. And if you only saw people that were perfect, you're really going to think something's really, really wrong with yourself versus seeing other people that are in the same boat and more relatable. Um, So I think think that everyone should just be brutally honest with what they post. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like when we came into starting social media, like we were just like, we want to do 365 days of skating. (laughs) We need an Instagram for it. And then it was just like, post whatever. Like, I don't care. Like the creativity that came with it was fun for me. And then just like, I've always been a little bit vain. And so that was helpful. Like, (laughs) oh, this is a nice picture of me or a nice video or whatever. Like, whatever, like, let's put it up. But for me, it's never been a question of, what I'm willing to share, what I'm open about. Like, I'm never going to lie on social media. I think that's trash. Um, And for me, the only limit was like what I couldn't say because of jobs, right? Like things I was limited to because I... NDAs. (laughs) Yeah, NDAs or like even just like my teaching job. Like I was worried my students would find me and hear certain things that I didn't think were appropriate for them to hear as my students. But even that, as time went on, I was like, whatever. Like, I'm just a human being who's teaching you something. So I don't know. I feel like it just came with the territory. Like, if I'm being myself online, I'm going to say the things that I feel like I should say because this is just what I would say because I'm a person and this is my thoughts Mm -hmm. in my life. Yeah. Speaking to what your experience was like uh, growing up, Rebel, I know that you come from a really religious background and you grew up in a religious household Mm -hmm. if you could go back and tell baby rebel that things were you know gonna get better and there were amazing things ahead for her what would you tell her to keep her keep her going oh my gosh I've said this and I will say that it's again anytime I get this question ever but I would say hey dude you're gay (laughs) um That's the first thing I would say. (laughs) And then the second thing I would say is like take time and figure out what you love and what you want. Because I think a lot of the way I was raised, I believe, in such like a strongly religious situation, um, when I left that strongly religious situation, I felt very lost and I ended up clinging on to what a lot of other people liked or loved or who they were. And, you know, like imitation is the strongest form of flattery, but imitation is also like a safety net for people who don't have the courage to figure out their own selves yet. And that is fully where I was, right? I didn't have the ability, mental capacity, whatever, like didn't know how to 
become my own self or find my own self. And so I just spent so much time finding people I liked. And then they would be like, I like this. And I was like, yeah, me too. And then just like copied that for so long. And I think that uh, that contributed to me being more lost. And so I think that if I could go back and like encourage little baby rebel, I would say that you're going to find things that are going to just light you up inside. And when you find those things, chase after them. And when you find people who make you feel more you than you feel like you're a piece of them, those are the people to hold on to. Because when I'm with Shove, like I don't feel like I'm copying Shove. Like I feel like what's happening when I'm around Shove is Shove is encouraging me to find even more who I am and to just lean into that. And I think that that is just something that I cherish, you know, like that's that relationship and that kind of relationship is something that everyone should strive to find, you know, someone that makes them feel like they are free, not limited, makes them feel like, I don't know how to, I don't know why a cheerleading freaking metaphor is coming to mind right now, but like someone who's like, here, it's your turn to be the flyer. Let me be your base. Let's see how high you can go. And then we go back and forth and do that. And that to me feels like I just, I never could have imagined that my life could be this good. Never, not in a million years. I look around at my life and what I get to do every day and who I get to be around. And I am so happy and so content. And I've never felt like this in my life. And so I guess I would say that it gets better because it really does. And to cherish every moment, because even though there are moments that are really freaking hard and they suck really bad and there still are moments that suck really bad, like they're all a part of making me who I am and the life that I have. So I love you. Love you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I definitely am feeling misty. That was really beautiful. Um, (laughs) What do you think would have happened if baby shove and baby rebel met as teenagers? (laughs) (laughs) We would have hated each other. Oh my God. We would have hated each other. No, I think you would have tried to be my friend and I I would have been like, get this prep away from me. I was, I was not a prep though. (laughs) I was a drama nerd. It's different. (laughs) A prep is someone who's like, "Eh, I'm popular. And like, I would have been like, Oh God, the Jesus. No, you totally would have been like, get away from me. Fully. 1000%. 1000%. And then I would have been like trying to be cool. And then you would have somehow like, polluted me and then I would have been like oh my god and then you would have secretly been obsessed with me and I would have been in love with you teenage shove was um was very sex positive we'll say that uh experimented with drugs uh went spent every weekend at a backyard show drinking whiskey and smoking cigarettes (laughs) was definitely a very anti-god and religion and everything and just like yeah I was a true nihilist which was me at like 21 yeah but I started early (laughs) for me when I was like in high school I was like very Jesus-y I'd fully bought into that and I was 
into like plays and I was the ASB president and (laughs) I was a straight A student and I love planning events on my weekends. I would hang out with my English teacher. Like, Oh, I should say that despite all of the things I just said, I was also an honor (laughs) student because I showed up to school on the important days and I even had to give a speech at graduation. I gave and a speech at graduation like, too. And everyone was like, that drug addict graduated top of her class. She can do it all. She can do it all. It's called balance. Yeah. But yeah, so we, it would have been, it would have been a dynamic. Some, something would have happened. Yeah, I went to a, a school in Compton, so we didn't have drama. We didn't have like anything because I grew up in a very poor neighborhood. Yeah. Another thing that I really loved learning about y'all from your podcast is that, Shove, you initiated Rebel into the world of horror movies, right? Yeah. She still hates it. it. I hate it. Yes, I did. Every October, the deal is we watch a scary movie every worst. It's the worst. But some of them I like. Some of them I like. I'm not as scared of them anymore. I used to be really scared of them. What are some that you like? (laughs) If you can remember. Um, I like the ones that are more thriller based. Oh, no. You know what? And you know what? I like the ones that are like um, the Blair Witch Project. Ooh. Like the one that the lady. What's, what's the one with the lady? <laughs> Which one? The... Deborah Logan. The... Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I like that one. <laughs> I love that one. I too. like the As Above, So Below. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> And and then she likes things like I showed her Beetlejuice for the first time. Oh my god, yeah, um, I've never seen Halloween that Town, Love like it. all like the like kitty ones that are like because I never got to see them because I never experienced Halloween growing yeah. up. Yeah. So she went. We gave out candy for her her first time. We had trick or treaters come. She had never I given accidentally candy. gave way too much candy to a little kid, and I also <laughs> accidentally really scared a little little kid because she was. I didn't know. She thought you were supposed to scare everyone. <laughs> Thought you were supposed she to scare was the so shit out of everybody. Too. I was like, oops, so sorry. This last Halloween was way better. She understood. I didn't. Assignment. Yeah, I understood this last year. But the last couple of years, I had a struggle city. She's like, I have 31. I know how to pass out candy. I can now. do it. I am an adult. Oh my God. Halloween adult. Oh Basically, religion just stunted her social growth. Really stunted my social growth. Like, it started at like 22. Like, I am like 10 years old. Oh. <laughs> You're like Kimmy Schmidt. I am, except, except not as bad. Not as bad. Kimmy Schmidt is a little yeah. excessive, but I did relate to that show quite a bit. I was like, um, breakable. Yeah, sometimes we'll make a reference and I just see Rebel kind of make this face, but shake her head and I'm like, you don't know what we're talking about, huh? She's like, no. I've spent so many years of my life just pretending to know what people were talking about that finally with Shove, I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I have no idea what you're talking about. We had a whole conversation about dinosaurs and I had to show her. I didn't know about dinosaurs. I was never taught about them. Because they weren't in the Bible. And I don't have to take that for college. (laughs) <laughs> like they never I don't know anything about it I was like dinosaurs huh we like watched a little documentary so then it got followed with but like dragons are they real <laughs> dragons aren't real dinosaurs are real yes and I was like thank you thank you I have the best conversations with her and I'm, I'm like, so confused sometimes I think I know everything about this woman and then I'll like do something she'll be like 
wait, what's that? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you don't know? Yeah. I'm it's like, crazy. <laughs> and then we have a whole conversation. And then she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, like my biology class was fully just let's learn more about creationism. And I remember there was like one segment where we were taught about how to debate against evolutionists. And then I was debating on the evolutionist side one time and then I beat everyone and I was like, wow. (laughs) And that is the extent of anything that I knew about evolution. (laughs) And the way I debated about it was not like any information about evolution. It was, I don't believe your book. Your book was written by a man. (laughs) (laughs) Because everyone was just like, but in this book of the Bible, it says this. And I'm like, what? I don't think you can use your book as evidence. And that's how I won the debate. (laughs) And then fast forward for quite a few years. And now I am a persuasive speaking champion (laughs) of the United States. Yeah. Not anymore, I guess. Previously. How would you say your background in speech and debate has served you when you're essentially your own producer, director, PR as a online creator, influencer, whatever you want to call yourself? Yeah, I don't even know what I would call myself either. Um, But yeah, I well, okay, so my major, so I have a master's degree in communication studies, I have a bachelor's and master's in AA, all those things in communication studies. And so I study communication, I study and I've taught public speaking, argumentation, interpersonal communication, small group communication, and I had a minor in my master's degree like a specialization of um, online teaching, essentially. And so that and um, conflict resolution. So I think that a lot of that goes into play when it comes to teaching people online. I think that there is like a huge element of my experience there that goes into it. Also, what speech and debate did for me is speech and debate taught me that my thoughts and opinions matter and how to support my thoughts and opinions with evidence, right? Like it taught me to have a voice and it taught me to question a lot of things that I blindly accepted before. Like I quite literally just accepted whatever people would tell me. I was very naive and very gullible. And the years that I was in speech and debate, and I also coach speech and debate, it was about having that realization of like, oh, not everyone in the world is honest and not everyone in the world is good. And, you know, there are things that are true and things that are not true. And while that may seem like elementary, it wasn't elementary for me. It was like really important for me to learn. And I think that whole time period really led me to being able to I don't know, like support my own ideas and also explain things well. I would say I would actually say probably when you're getting your master's and teaching and then teaching after graduation is probably what helped you the most with YouTube anyways. Yeah. Because you were always a really good teacher. As someone that got a free education, college education over the quarantine, <laughs> the quarantine period. Because I was teaching from home. <laughs> and I was just sitting All in the, the living room. classes, yeah. And I'm like, wow, I now feel like I took a public speaking class. I mean, you <laughs> did, like many times. Um, she was just really good she's really good at teaching period and she has all the tools and has been trained on how to teach so I think it was just like crossing it over and probably made it even better because then you're teaching something that you really love even more with skating and like knowing how to project and 
um, how people understanding how people learn as well. Because how to like, explain things. Yeah, like you can't teach without knowing how to learn. Like, yeah. <laughs> it goes hand in hand. So I felt like definitely like the teaching, like you're very, very well spoken and you know how to speak your mind thanks to speech and debate. But I feel like your history and teaching is what transferred over and just made the YouTube like so amazing. Yeah. And speech and debate is what caused me to become a teacher. Mm -hmm. And speech and debate is what got me into finishing my bachelor's degree and getting my master's. So I think it's all kind of connected. Yeah. It's all kind of interwoven. Multi-talented. It's the patchwork of my life. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit more about Shove, too. I feel like, so you're in school right now, and you're finishing up school, correct? Yeah, I'm in cosmetology school. Yeah, what has that been like for you? What has that journey been like? It's a lot. <laughs> um, Time-wise, I started in 2019, like winter, like fall 2019, so right when I started giving my bearings, then the pandemic happened and the school closed for like a year. And then it closed again later on when a new strain came out. It was supposed to be two and a half years. And now it's been so four long. years, so. almost four. So I'm like, dang, I feel like I just went to a whole university now yeah. for something that was supposed to be like a little over half the amount of time. Um, if I'm not stimulated, uh, mentally I get so bored and it's a struggle for me so then I came really hard to like even show up because once I kind of like got to the point where the teacher trusted me with clients and would barely even cross-check for me I was like okay I'm not learning anything new I have all the haircuts down I am learning all the skateboard stuff um I can do color it's like what's next like the whole book I've read twice now like I'm I've taken all the tests like I've heard every lecture so I sit there and it's just like just to collect the time because you have to have they changed the state law so now it's only went from 1600 hours when I first signed up to now 1200 so I'll be done this March but it's just like counting down the hours at this point so every day I go in for the last two weeks it's been like here take this hundred question test like <laughs> just to make sure you'll be ready for the state board like after you graduate and it's just like so boring for me to like just like struggle bus. Definitely have senioritis right now. Where yeah, that's like, for real. You definitely have senioritis. I'm like 175 hours to go. Like, but you're doing it, and I'm so proud of you. And you're so close. But in the beginning, it was like really exciting and scary and cool to try to do something for myself. So I knew I would never go to a traditional school. I didn't want to have to deal with math and science and everything just to learn something. I knew I wanted to go to a trade school. And my whole life, people have been saying like, just do hair. Like you're so good at it. Cause like, I was always the one dyeing my friend's hair in high school and giving everyone their like mohawks and like mullets and everything. Oh. And that just continued like people, friends coming over and me washing their hair in the bathtub. And so I was like, okay, I need to get my license so I can like actually charge for this. And now I'm kind of like in this weird limbo where I'm like, do I leave roller skating, which is my day-to-day -day job, and go fully into salon life? I don't see that for me. Like, is there a way I can do a balance of both? Um, and then also just knowing I'm that age where it's like, what's going to bring more money in? Because I have a wedding coming up. I want to own a house one day. So I'm in this weird crossroads right now in my life where it's like, stay in the roller skate industry, which we all know is slowing down right now. So who knows what the future will hold? It's not 2020 anymore. Or like go into the hair world. So it's really kind of like freaking me out right now. <laughs> Luckily, I want to continue my education for black hair, though, because that is one flawed thing about cosmetology is you have one chapter about black hair and that's it. And it's not even like 
half of it. A lot of it's like chemical straightening That's what I figured, and, art, yeah. and like pressing combs. Yeah. So like there's like online courses I want to take as well because luckily enough, since I'm in LA County, um, my teacher's son does work in the entertainment industry and he's always telling me like um, there's a shortage of black hairstylists. That's what they need. Like, and like it's been talked about online a lot that a lot of black actresses and singers even have had to do their own hair because the stylists there don't know how to which is freaking wild. Yeah, so they're like taking their curly curls and combing them out and getting an afro, not understanding why, because they don't understand how oh our my hair God. works. It is 2023, people. Yeah, so there's still a shortage. And so I know that industry is needed, but I want to feel confident going into that. Um, and then there are like some salons that I know are well educated on both. Um, black and straight hair and so I do want to see basically I'm just going to continue my education by sitting loitering at my friend's salon hopefully (laughs) and like following people around and learning more taking online classes and then I do like freelance would be my what I would really love to do like things like weddings and proms and you know social things like that I even have my own like salon chair here and my whole setup but house calls everything as long as you have your license you can kind of do anything in the state of california i technically could even do facials and nails i do not want to do nails though mm-hmm. uh, give face a facial to rebel though it's the <laughs> last best night. anytime there's any sort of <laughs> holiday i'm like can i have a facial <laughs> but yeah so once i could either like rent a room and convert it into a studio or i can go rent a chair somewhere but i don't have to necessarily be somewhere like five days a week it'd be more about like what my schedule would be like like do I want to go back to hustling like I've had more than one job before but I remember getting super worn down to the point of like a literal breakdown I um, don't love that yeah mm-hmm. so I'm just like trying to see like I don't want to put too much on my plate at once but I also don't want to just jump to a new career and be like oh no this isn't working and because like I love that I have insurance right now and benefits <laughs> things like that and everyone will say like that's the downside to cosmetology is like you that my teacher literally said like marry someone that has good insurance lol (laughs) not me oh no bitch has but i would like to say it's hard to know when when there's so many sort of passions uh in one's life kind of which direction to go but i feel in a similar place where it's kind of like what's going to make me the most money and bring me stability long term um yes you know, the piece you brought up about skating kind of slowing down is interesting to me because we've experienced that like at the skate shop a little bit, you know, yeah. and um, have had to kind of downsize our staff and things just look and feel different there than they did for the last two years. And mm-hmm. it kind of makes me wonder too, from y'all's perspective as mm-hmm. people who really have, you know, grown through that boom, is that something that's on your mind? Yeah, I know. Like there's a difference, like when you think about like income on YouTube and things like that, like significant difference people already think like rebel makes a shit ton of money let me tell you that i do not even in 2020 (laughs) i wasn't that high like i remember what you hit a thousand one time i hit a thousand (laughs) and i was like oh that was like height of pandemic when everyone was like how do i roller skate and nowadays i make like three hundred dollars before taxes yeah well of course when you have less people like you can see in the views too all those people that started are already more advanced not like they don't need a lot of those videos that exist already and there's more in-person stuff yeah now you have people that can learn with people that just go to a skate park or go to a rink and like now be in person learning these things not everyone has to be online anymore so i feel like that's the social aspect because rebel 
doesn't work in the roller skating industry except for like she has her business that does sell like skate accessories and everything and that's things that people constantly need to upgrade for me knowing that that's my main job it can be scary because i'm sure you've heard people have been laid off and we went from having a staff in the pandemic when i got hired it was over 20 of us and it was from a business that had three people that worked in a closet basically and then like we're lucky enough to hire all these people but then as you saw the industry and sales slow down more and more people have to get let go so it's always like that okay how bad can it get like you know and I know like I am appreciative I have a place that's trying their best but at the end of the day business is business like do I need to make that jump just as a safety net or what do I do? Because it is scary. A lot of skate shops I notice have, I constantly talk to other people and like, oh, I got laid off. Like you have to downsize. And I have a, I don't know. I have a personal opinion. And that is that just like the housing market has super, super inflated. Mm -hmm. And then what everyone is talking about is that it's more of a correction as opposed to like, like a crash, mm. right? I feel like the roller skate community is kind of the same way, right? Like it infl- it hyper inflated, mm-hmm. like at a rate that was not sustainable, so that we all knew was ridiculous. And then it increased less in 2021-ish. Mm-hmm. And then 2022 saw a lot more of a like correction. And I think that 2023 is going to continue to see a correction. But I think that the final result of where we end up is still going to be bigger than it was pre-pandemic. I think we just all got used to this like 2020, 2021 world and even like into 2022. And so we're just like, yeah. but I do think that the, the, the skate community is stronger than it was before and will continue to remain strong. I don't think the skate community is going anywhere. I think that the amount of jobs that we were able to provide for ourselves is going to continue to correct back. Yeah, and it's really hard when you make quality, when you sell quality skates and products. And so it's bad about that is they last a really long time. So people don't need to buy another pair. So even that, so it's like, okay, they're going to come back to your store, but probably because they need new wheels or bearings or laces. And those aren't going to be the high ticketed items. Like you got to think about what has high profit margins. I work for Moxie. So we only sell Moxie skates. Mm -hmm. And what I value about Moxie, one of the things is that they don't have super high profit margins. So it's like, we can't sell like Impalas and be like, oh my God, we have like a 60% profit margin. I don't know. That's probably an exaggeration, (laughs) but like (laughs) the profit margin is not going to be as high for like a lot of other brands that are out there, but that would be like the money maker. So I feel like if I worked for like a regular skate shop that did sell more options, it would be easier But then I feel like we're just limited. So that's one thing that I feel like does kind of suck. So I feel like one thing I've been trying to bring to the table is like more community outreach things. Like how can we reach out to skaters? Let's invest in free lessons that we were doing a couple of months ago, pop-up shops so people can come in person because we're we're just an e-commerce store. And then last year I started Fun Day Sundays. So like we were doing free skate lessons in parks. Um, there's some other things I have planned for starting this next year that hopefully like at least like give back to the community and bring people in because at the end of the day, yeah, we need the money but we want to have people know that they can trust in us, that we do care about them as well. So I don't want to always just be stuck behind a desk, like 
sending emails out and doing marketing and all these things. Like I want to look face to face with the skaters and like give back in a way too. And that way is a way like to feel like support them so they can help support us. Cause it's really hard when you work in an industry that you have such a passion for, because you also see like the boring dull stuff and the financial side of it. And like, like you said, like, oh no, should we be scared that it's slowing down? But uh, we see the other part where we're like, man, like skaters, just everything's so amazing. And you don't want to just be like, see skaters as dollar signs, like, but you still know you need their money. And it's this weird limbo that you're at when you work in the skate industry. It's like, you know, you said earlier, like business is business, but when it comes to skating, I rarely feel that way. Like, especially with small businesses, I'm like, yes, and like Mm -hmm. skate businesses are inherently community businesses like they have to be and if they're not i don't see those businesses Mm -hmm. doing well yeah like period we know what happened with moda yeah oh god or whatever you know like they weren't down for community and they're not winning you know what i'm saying like i'm like literally literally i I was like well and there are these things around profit margins and customer acquisition costs and how Mm -hmm. often are people buying products and and we do have to balance that money piece i feel like that's where like sometimes there's not always a lot of money in skating businesses because most of us are also like but and community and how do we make it accessible and how do we invest in communities so it is one Mm -hmm. of those things where there is like a big balance and to your point rebel i do think there is kind yeah. of that correction piece. Like I do think the floor of it all has been brought up, right? Like, yeah. People listening can't see my hands, but I'm kind of showing like, you know, the baseline mm-hmm. was here. The baseline now for who actually skates and how many skaters are out there and people that know about roller skating is so much higher than it was a few years ago. So even mm-hmm. now in New York, the people that we get coming into the store now versus the people that we had coming into the store pre-pandemic, it's a broader variety of people. It's more people that are working on like film and television because their people are bringing that in more, even if it's a one-time thing and we never see them again, like that there's a big difference there too. Mm -hmm. So I think you're right. You know, like the floor of it all has sort of been brought up to a new level, which is great. And this is a really important question of how do we, how do we see skaters as more than just dollar signs and as community and how do we keep investing in each other? You know, I feel like what's really cool out here, and I bet it probably goes out on your coast too, is that every skate shop I can walk into or even where I work is anything that's not a major skate company is small skater owned things. Mm-hmm. Like we always see like um, project pinup in places. Uh, she makes skate leashes and toe caps and all that stuff. I see XO Nello, who is an African uh, maker that sews out of her house as well and makes toe caps um jammers like i see all mm-hmm. these like skater owned small yeah. small businesses like working out of their house and so i do feel like that's one cool thing is that we keep skaters employed even if they're not working for us they work with us which is pretty cool yeah yeah, yeah. my hope is that like that sort of shifted baseline of what roller skating was to where it is sort of now is also something that's going to have some type of longevity, you know, even in terms of community. Cause I just remember like pre pandemic, I was playing roller derby back in 2011 and I would tell people like, I play roller derby and they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking mm, about? Nice. And I'd be like, okay, let me explain. And they'd be like roller skates. Like I didn't even know people <laughs> had roller skates anymore. I didn't even know people did roller skate anymore, you know? And now it's like, <laughs> you know, we'll have people that come to the skate shop that are like, Oh, do you have a local derby league? Like, Oh, does anyone play derby? You know? And it's like, they're asking of their own accord and that's roller derby let alone like skating, skating now, which mm-hmm. I like rhythm skating, yeah. like, recreational skating. I feel like so many more people just know of it and now have like the ability to actually get involved because they know that it exists mm-hmm. versus like before, like people didn't even know yeah. that it was a thing like at all. Even five years ago, I remember mm-hmm. being like, oh my God, people 
people skate? Like, yeah, no, for real. <laughs> so that like I can't even imagine like 2011 because I just feel like now it's the norm, especially because I'm we're in Long Beach. So yeah, so it's probably a you throw a rock, but... you're gonna hit a roller skater probably <laughs> yeah. at this point. Like Genuinely, <laughs> so many roller skaters. <laughs> I know Long Beach is pretty small, but do people ever recognize y'all and give you sort of like a celebrity treatment? All the time. Every time we leave the house. Really? I mean, no celebrity treatment, but we do get recognized almost no, every you're single lying. time we leave We've the house. We've gotten like, this girl was like, if you come to Holy Moly, I'll give you a discount. And we got oh, a yeah. discount on our coffee. Oh, yeah, time. that's right. That's right. That's right. We've gotten small discounts, which has been awesome. Yeah, um, but yeah, we get recognized a lot. I think that we are very recognizable people. Yeah, you are. Like, I think that we're just so out there that it's like, obviously us. Um, but we've gotten recognized. Like, we went to a burlesque show the other night and someone was in town from Wisconsin or something like yeah. that. And then we went somewhere else. Oh, we were at like a small business on New Year's Eve, and there someone was someone from Canada. from Canada who was in town who was like, "Oh my God, I follow you online!" Like, it's wild. And people always look confused, like, "Oh, who are they?" Because people will take pictures with us, and I'm like, I love it because it's like it's in so the fun. real world, we are literally nobody no knows one. who we we're are. Just in the some real random, world. We're just overly random dressed queers. Just, that yeah, get in. Two, they're just two extra, <laughs> and, you know, whatever. And then in roller skating, it's like. Not everyone knows us, but, but a lot, a of, lot people. of people know who we so are. So it will, like, when we went to Skate Love Barcelona, I was, it was like, crazy. like we're going to be able to be, like, just a regular, we're nobody. I thought we were just going like, to be basic, just a regular like, skaters. skaters. It's going to be dope. Like, we're just going to exist. That was and, what we like, thought. We're just going to learn some things. I will say, like, sometimes I miss just being, like, another random person because then you don't feel like this pressure to perform or anything. And then we went there and you couldn't skate it for was five wild. seconds without someone stopping. so many people stopping us. <laughs> because we forgot that YouTube's even bigger we for- Yeah, so it was more people that knew me because of my YouTube <laughs> as opposed to, usually it's like people recognize Shove because Shove's just very recognizable and pe- like she is an icon and like Hell yeah. we get this. <laughs> but yeah, when we went overseas, it was people being like the YouTube channel. And Aww. I was like, oh, dang. Yeah, like they would barely speak English, but they watched Rebels YouTube channel. Yeah, so it was, was so like, crazy. So cool. All these people that I had taught how to skate. And I was like, this is so wild. And people that completely shred now, they're like, I learned how to skate from you. And then they're like doing a backflip. They're like, they're like 10 million times better than I'll ever be. And that's totally fine with me. I want that. I want to be able to say I was part of people's origin stories. That's so powerful, that's awesome. honestly. Yeah, I love when people say hi. Sometimes it'll be like, I'll get home and someone will message me and be like, I saw you at the grocery store. That happens a lot, actually. One time someone recorded me and tagged me and I didn't say I got home and I was like, why didn't you just say hi? But they were like, they were like around the corner zooming. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Literally, when we were at the AMA shoot, we were at the AMA shoot shooting with Pink. Like Pink is literally there singing, right? And someone yelled out their window, queer girl. And I was like, oh, no. And then so- no, no, I'm the wrong person to be shouting at right now. <laughs> and then now. someone else yelled out, Jason. Like, oh, like yeah, it was Jason. just like, so <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, and we were like, oh, my God. I am, we should not. There's Selena Gomez is next door. Everybody. No. Oh, man. But yeah, I'll never get used to it. Every time I'm just like, it's I'm so always wild. in awe. <laughs> Anywhere we go, too, like, we've literally traveled places and people will 
find us. Because skaters are everywhere. Skaters are everywhere. Be careful. There's skaters everywhere. everywhere. (laughs) Speaking to your recognizability, I think also what makes y'all really recognizable is your style. You know, you have so many pairs of skates and so many colorful outfits and textures and amazing wigs and on and on and on. I I can't even imagine the depths of your closet. Um, (laughs) How has that piece i wish it was bigger (laughs) how has that piece kind of served you emotionally being able to express yourself aesthetically well i love it i mean that's just like my favorite part first of of all ready every day i'm a shopaholic who i am also a shopaholic. got in a relationship with someone who's a shopaholic yeah we're two femme (laughs) queer people we found out later in life when we were both diagnosed oh yeah (laughs) i Love it. Wait, you said I love it. I love it. I also love it. We're both shopaholics. I'm a shopaholic. <laughs> um, I love being like eye candy to the world. <laughs> uh, I love having multiple styles. Getting dressed makes me happy. And then putting roller skates into that mix makes me extra happy. It's a dopamine hit. First of all, I get a dopamine hit when I'm like, hun- I feel like a hunter and gatherer just like looking for the perfect outfit. The most extra anything. <laughs> and then like when I create like, the look, whatever the vibe is, like I wake up and then I think, who am I today? Who like, what am, am I, I today? What is what, my vibe? Yeah, like what do I feel like? What, what am I character going? am I going to portray today? Because we have so many different characters. And then like, like who is she? What wig? Who Who is she today? What is she going to communicate with her outfit to the world today? Because, you know, sometimes if I'm feeling feisty, like, or like if I'm feeling flirty, like there's different, I'm happy or I'm sad. Like it all goes into how that look looks. For example, today. today I'm dressed like a strawberry. Yeah. Also dressed like um, a Miss Frizzle <laughs> or a little kid. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Like I feel like I notice when I dress really extra, people will like smile when they see me too. Mm-hmm. And that makes me smile. It like so breaks the it like weird. it mirrors the the like happy feeling. And I really like that. Um and I also like when people are like will always ask, Where are you going? And I'm like, here? And they're like, You're at McDonald's. Like- or the grocery store. <laughs> Yeah, or, and it's just like I dress up for myself because I don't think you should wait for a party or an event to like wear a freaking bubbly dress or or even to skate. Like I like to wear like something fun when I'm skating because I already feel like a superhero or like some yeah. a villain sometimes. Like uh-huh. so, I want like everything that makes me feel powerful to like have that on. And I know some people think it's waste, wait, like a waste of time or. All these things that for me, it's an art form, like makeup. When I do a full face, like I like to draw and paint. And so like my face can be my canvas. And I just feel like you can be a walking piece of art and have fun with it because and look ridiculous. Allow yourself to look as insane as you want. (laughs) Honestly, outfits just bring me so much joy, like having so many like different looks and like being chaotic and like putting outfits together like it just it makes me feel so happy I love it like and it's one of the ways that I've worked on my self-esteem like I when I look in the mirror and I see myself in an outfit that I love it like transfers that a little bit to myself like oh wow that girl is a person that I would have been stoked to be around when I was younger and that's what I want and it's 
extra hard because I feel like I've always been bigger. Like I'm not my biggest. I have been in my whole life, but I've always been plus size for the most part. And just recently the fashion industry, not even all of it, but there's little holes specifically like smaller brands, uh, slow fashion brands that are finally starting to make plus size clothing. That's stylish. That isn't a muumuu that isn't super long. That isn't frumpy. That doesn't have freaking sequins or butterfly on it or cold shoulders. Like the same things that in fat fashion we've seen for the last 20 years. And like, I'm 36 years old and I can finally like get something that's like in at the time or like something I've always wanted or like, I can't just walk into a store and find something to wear. Like a lot of times, like I already know, like, okay, I guess I'll look at accessories here. Um, So it's very hard for me to find things that fit my personality and will make me happy and feel good. And especially that won't cost like $300 because then you do find it and it's way expensive. And now we're starting to find like thrift stores and consignment stores that are only to plus size fashion because the fashion industry like does charge a fat tax, like bigger clothes are going to, costs more um they either just don't care about you at all so you're not going to find it or you have to shop slow fashion because you finally have the opportunity but like it's, it's probably not going to last yeah. you that long but hey it's the only thing that exists that you can afford and is stylish yeah. yeah and i think also like for me like growing up i just the options that i had growing up like i had people constantly telling me things like i have a very like a a moment in my life that I I deeply remember. And it is when someone that I totally looked up to and respected in high school, one of my teachers told me, why are you always wearing so much jewelry? It takes away from how beautiful you are. And like, I just have lots of memories of people telling me that like what I was wearing was too much. You know, I would layer things and I would add extra stuff on and they were like, no, no, that's like bad and like negative. And I was never encouraged to like step into my style. And now I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like I'm with someone who literally is constantly encouraging me like, no, oh, you like that? Yeah, that would look awesome on you. Like try that. Oh, you want to add more? Like go for it, you know? And sometimes I have a too much jeans. So sometimes. <laughs> or sometimes we still end up matching each other and it's the total like, dyke like situation. Oh. <laughs> and it happens all the time. That's not even a sometimes thing. It happens all the time. Not even when we look at each other when getting ready. It just that's just <laughs> we get the vibe or something. But yeah, so like feeling the opposite of that. Like I just there's I feel like it's empowering. And this sort of for sure comes back to the piece that you were talking about in terms of like people giving themselves permission to like so like I do drag and I also just wear it out sometimes because I'm some, sometimes I'm like, am I a boy or a girl today? And although I understand that things are not that binary, like am I putting <laughs> on the wig and makeup or not? Like what's up? Sometimes I wear it out. True, yeah. It's like when you, mm-hmm. totally. when you're willing to like adorn yourself in such a way, express yourself in such a way, not only does it kind of like bring joy to other people a lot of times when they see you, but it also gives them permission to, to kind of self-express in those ways. Mm-hmm. Not only is it bringing you joy, and giving you a sense of self-expression and a sense of like exploration and play it sounds like an empowerment but and then also those experiences with people where you're kind yes. of having joy together but it's also like literally modeling for people like you don't have to just like mm-hmm. conform you don't have to just do the thing that's practical you're allowed to do kind of whatever you mm-hmm. want wherever you want and i think there's something really mm-hmm. special in that especially with people of various types of bodies, like for me as a trans person, right? For folks with fat bodies, for plus size folks, like I think that actually matters so much in the world. And I don't, I don't personally see a lot of that even in New York. Um, so seeing it out and about, I think is really valuable. Mm-hmm. It is. Cause I feel like, I can't remember. I was with you, right? 
not Huey. I think I was with Rebel and we went to the movies and like the girl working there was yeah, just was like, with me. yeah, she was just like, oh, I hope one day I can be like as fashionable as y'all. And like, I feel yeah, like I'll hear that can. a lot or I get that all get the time. comments and I'm like, what's stopping you? And it's, I wish I could dress like you do. It's 2023. I I could, you like, know, whatever. It's like, just do it. Like, Who, baby, I just don't understand like where, how we were all put in this box and like told like, like this you is, got this. This is what you're supposed to wear. Like, this is how you should. Uh, not or wear makeup or if you do this is what you can this is what gender roles are like this is what looks good this is looks bad this is what it's attractive this is what's not attractive or flattering like all these things that like we're kind of like groomed into us growing mm-hmm. up and then it's like we're so afraid of like to the point where either we're gonna judge something that's different or we're gonna be jealous of it or mm-hmm. we're gonna idolize it instead of just being yeah, it because we yeah. probably really internally want to be it. I wish I could wear um, that. I wish I could do that. Yeah, and it's just like all it, the time. it breaks my heart because I'm just like, but why don't you? Like, don't be afraid. Like, just do it. Like, push yourself. But then I have to remember that, like, it took me a lot of work to get mm-hmm. where I am to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, when people ask me, like, how I got here, like, it was a lot of work. Like, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Like, I had to hit rock bottom, like, mm-hmm. to be able to be, like, I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like once you get to, like, this below where you think, like, you're worthless, completely worthless, you're go- and you can pull yourself out of that, you can literally, you don't care what anyone Yeah, else I'm thinks. like, what <laughs> is anyone going to ever say to me that's worse than no, what I've said, said to myself? myself. Like, yeah. that's like our, I feel like we say that to each other all the time. Like, yeah. oh, I've said worse things to myself than yeah. that. So then why, then, so then, like, you shouldn't have to get that far, though. Like, you should be able to just be like, just do it. Like, yeah. Nike, just, <laughs> Nike, just do it. Not sponsored. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I had that sort of awakening somewhere in my 20s to, you know, express myself visually and wear whatever I wanted. But I definitely feel like roller skating has very much enhanced that. And I feel like roller skating skating promotes individuality in a way that not a lot of other activities do. Because mm-hmm. roller skaters are the misfits, I feel like. Yeah, that's real, though. It really is. And, like, all different kinds of misfits. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I just had this whole vision in my mind of Shove having her own reality show, where she picks someone, like, off the street does their hair, takes them shopping. <laughs> I want to watch that show. That's what you're doing with your license. Oh my God, I'd die. I would so watch that show. Yeah, do. someone invest in this, Let's please. Because if we can, if someone pays us to do it, I will film it. I will edit it. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Let's make it. Because it's just so cinematic. Like, imagine the girl, like, excellent. handing show the popcorn. And she's like, I wish that I could do that too. And then it's like... She takes her on a whole journey. And then it's like dream sequence. It's like, well. Yes. Throw the popcorn and you run out. Yeah, I'm like, Let's go. Your whole like group of stylists and everything just like comes in. And- I want an outfit montage. Yes. <laughs> I want that show so bad. I'm very here for those. Amazing. So I have a lot of questions that pertain to like looks and fashion. Recently it was Shove's birthday and y'all released a... Uh, sort of tribute yes. video, if you will, to Lizzo, and y'all did a shot-for-shot shot recreation <laughs> of so many different Lizzo looks. Can you tell me more about that process? How long it took? Yeah, even? <laughs> I don't know how we did that. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe we did that. I, it all started with a crazy idea where I was like, okay, so there's this model, this plus-size model named Tabria Majors, 
amazing. And Rebel like hates when I look at her. She's like, stop looking at her. I'm like, I can't help it. <laughs> because she looks at her and starts drooling. <laughs> Not because she just looks at her. <laughs> You're because she leaving. looks at her and then WAP starts playing. <laughs> Shut up. Okay. <laughs> she so, said it like she was like, yeah, you caught me. So anyways, <laughs> she uh, does every year for her birthday, she releases like a, a tribute video to different people. Like she did a Beyonce one, but hers is like high quality. It's high quality. Like, it's like very it looks cinematic like like music video. spent money on this. Yeah, like lots of money was put in it. And she did like Sierra, I think the other year. No, it's so good. And she's also very hot. So it's not like I'm not denying. <laughs> yeah. Hotness. So I, very hot. I always thought that was really cool. And then I was like thinking about it and I was like, I want to do something for my birthday. Like, I was like, oh my God, what if I created some Lizzo videos? And I started to like date. Like, I love to daydream. Like, I can like sit and look like I'm staring at a wall for hours and I'm just entertaining myself. It is wild. <laughs> Like in complete silence. And then I was like visualizing all of it and how it would look and everything. And then I told Rebel about it. I was like, do you think it's like a crazy idea? Like, I kind of want to do it. Like, and I was and like, she, hell yeah. Like, yeah. And I was like, well, we are going to Joshua Tree to look at wedding venues. And like one of her music videos takes place. And I think Joshua Tree. So maybe we'll just do it. And I like literally so low budget. Like, I think a lot of the stuff I already owned or DIY'd. Um, it was crazy. <laughs> I think, like, the most expensive budget. thing was just getting tickets into the national park. <laughs> and, like, the amount of shooting, like, the last one for, um, which one was it? The, uh, uh, Tempo. Tempo, for Tempo yeah. It was four hours of shooting inside the Moxie warehouse after hours, just for a minute and a half of a video. And it was wild. And then it came out so cool. And it, I was- <laughs> I'm so proud of it. It came out so cool. <laughs> because everyone's always like, Lizzo? Oh, my God, I thought you were Lizzo. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> All the time. Well, I'm like, yeah, Lizzo shops at Food for Life. Yeah, that's that's Lizzo for sure. So okay, it used to bother me because I used to be like, "You're racist!" Like you just saw a fat black woman. But like, actually, though, your body's very similar. But then sometimes I'll see pictures of her, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." Like I get it. Like Like, not to be like totally explicit, but when she's naked, she looks a lot like Lizzo. Naked. Because, like, Lizzo's naked in pictures in front of her, like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, damn, what the hell? (laughs) Sorry, I don't know if that was too No. (laughs) (laughs) No, we love it. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the talent between the two of you really showed showed through in that piece. And it's very, very cool. When y'all were teasing it, I was like, what are they releasing where they keep doing all these teasers? And... It was really cool. <laughs> Thank oh you. Oh my gosh. Thank you yeah, so much. I'm obsessed yeah. with like my birthday month. Like I get so excited. I'm like, it's January. It's my birthday month. <laughs> yeah. Like, Both of us. We're so lucky we were not born in the same month because that would not have worked out. Rebel, yeah. But I thought it turned out really good and I'm really, really proud of you're it. You're a Pisces, right? right? Yeah. As I recall. So yours is coming up soon. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes. Yes, March 12th, March 12th is my birthday. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to have my first like actual birthday. Last year was a kind of birthday. This year it's going to be a, virgo- a birthday. <laughs> All right, y'all. Wasn't that fun? This was part one of our shovel episode. Did you dig it? <laughs> so yeah, we'll see you tomorrow for part two of the shovel episode. All right. Thanks, y'all. Bye.